Is it live, Eddie? <laughs> I'm hoping it's live. <laughs> if it ain't, I'm sorry. I was telling my kid to, to make dinner. <laughs> she's making uh, nachos tonight. I guess she's getting prepped for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I want everybody to let me know in the chat if you're going to be here for Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I will be here, uh, and I'm hoping that you'll be here. And uh, we'll, we'll be going over the real estate uh conversation once again. Usually Super Bowl Sunday is pretty busy for us, so it'll be really exciting. I, I like Super Bowl Sunday. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about foreclosures because the headlines have started. I think they're bored. Honest to God, I think these I think these dudes are bored on what they want to say as far as articles are concerned. They know that the real estate market's a hot topic, but they don't. They have run out of uh, conversation. So they're, they're talking about foreclosure numbers right now. So well, we're going to get into that and what it means for you in your area. Hey, Nancy, thank you. I love this channel too. I'm glad you're a part of it. I'm glad you're here every week. I appreciate you. Hey, Debbie, how's it going? Greetings, Earthlings, she says. Hello from the UK Crow Homestead. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, lawnmower. It's good to see you. I hope everybody was going to be able to make it for the Super Bowl Sunday. I understand. My feelings won't be too hurt if you can't make it for Super Bowl Sunday. That's for sure. We have no guests today, by the way. We have no guests. And I did do a little like little little poll. If you if you could answer the poll, we'll get to the poll in a little bit. I'll let Eddie know. V-Man, hello from Utah. What part of Utah? I, I was in, um, what is it? Where was I? I was in Utah. I was in uh hurricane hurricane floor uh hurricane utah uh over there do you know where that is <laughs> near st george that's where i was Hur hurricane Hur they i think it's called hurricane but it, it's spelled hurricane but i think they say hurricane i could be wrong anyway hello from las vegas i'm leaving las vegas <laughs> Hey, D-Jack. Nice to see you. I love you, too. I love you, too. <laughs> Glenn Allen, Virginia. Nice to see you, Debbie. Debbie, Debbie, Debbie. Hi, y'all. Nice to see you, SB. I see you commenting in the comment section of some of my videos recently. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. D-Jack, hello from New York City. Welcome to New York. <laughs> Idaho in the house. Idaho in the house. You know what? I have to say, I want to say, I never really did say thank you to our guest last week. He was fantastic. And I'm definitely going to have him on again if he'll come on. He was really good. Um, he's such a like calm, you know, I'm such a spaz and he's like the calm, the voice of calmness and reasonable <laughs> reasonability. And I'm the one that's like, ah! so it was nice to have somebody on there. Oh, someone from Wisconsin. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. <laughs> Sarah Mason is my actual name. That's her, that's the actual screen name, by the way. Give me a little wavy wave. <laughs> oh, that music's so nice. All right, Eddie, go ahead and put up this first article. So everybody's talking about, like, you read the headlines. Oh, foreclosures are up so high. We're seeing numbers, record numbers from a year ago. Foreclosures are all over the place. Uh, let me... Uh, Eddie, you're gonna pull up the um, um, you're gonna pull up the article if you could, please, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, foreclosure activity is lower than normal. It's still lower than normal, but the number is like if you look at some of the articles, they're like it has doubled from a year ago. Foreclosure numbers are seeing record highs. Well, yeah, the record highs from when 
it was the lowest was back when the pandemic started because they froze all foreclosures. Not only that, then they did mortgage forbearance. So people that would have normally gone into foreclosure, they got forbearance. A lot of them were able to restructure their loan. So anyways, have you seen the headlines talking about the increase in foreclosures in today's housing market? If so, they may leave you feeling a bit uneasy about what's ahead. But remember, these clickbait titles don't always give you the full story. That's why I picked this particular article because I thought it was funny. It's because what I say all the time. The truth is, if you're comparing current numbers with what usually happens in the market, you'll see there's no need to worry. And this is true. Putting headlines in perspective, the increase the media is calling attention to is misleading. That's because they're only comparing the most recent numbers to a time where foreclosures were at historic lows. And that makes it sound even bigger deal than it actually is. In 2020 and 2021, the moratorium and forbearance helped many millions of Americans stay in their homes, allowing them to get back on their feet during a very challenging period. When the moratorium came to the end, they was expecting a rise in foreclosures, but just because foreclosures are uh, are up doesn't mean that the housing market is in actual trouble. Historic data shows that there isn't a wave of foreclosures that is hitting the market. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Here's, here's the big caveat to all this. Yes, currently this is what foreclosures look like at this moment in time. And if you look at the jobs numbers and you took it at face value of what they're telling us, they're saying, oh, jobs still look good. Everybody's still working. We have plenty of jobs out there. But I personally have seen many, many layoffs. And I think we're going to see a lot more layoffs this year. That is my prediction. And when we see layoffs, that makes people in desperate situations. It wouldn't necessarily cause a wave of foreclosures, it could, but it wouldn't happen this year per se. It could end at the end of the fourth quarter if more and more people were to lose their jobs and not pay it this year. Uh, if the jobs market does not hold, if we do see a wave of people that do get, um, you know, lose their jobs and can't pay their mortgages, I can see that the following year, we see a lot more foreclosures. And then maybe we could see some relief on some of the price point of some of these houses. Because I think, then this is the part that I'm really kind of like, ugh, my stomach gets, I got jelly belly for this, is that the spring season this year, I still think that if you're in the lower range of houses, anything below 400,000, you're gonna have a lot more competition for those type of homes. When, if you can find new construction in there, you're going to be lucky because builders are doing a lot more for home buyers when it comes to getting them uh, a good loan. They're buying down points. They're um, they're giving you uh, plenty of upgrades. They're doing all sorts of stuff to get you to not buy the existing home and buy their home instead. So you know, new construction has done pretty darn good, pretty darn good. And then. Um, so, you know, that's just something to be aware of. Uh, so, Eddie, you can scroll up that because uh, the historic data hasn't shown where the way of foreclosures. Okay. 
Instead of comparing today's numbers with a few abnormal years, it's better to compare the long-term trends, especially in the crowding crash, since what people are worried about what is going to happen again. Take a look at the graph below using foreclosure data from Adam, a property data provider to show foreclosure activity ha uh, has been consistently lower, shown in orange, since the crash of 2008. Let's show it. Let's show it, Eddie. Scrolly scroll. Scrolly scroll. This is what was on my, um, oops. This was what was on my uh, thumbnail. I don't know if you guys know, but okay. So if we're comparing, you know, because people want to compare the 2008 housing crash to what, what's happening now. So Eddie, I, I can't, they can't see the dates. If you scroll down just to scotch. Okay, here we go. So if you look right there, it back back in the day in 2008, we had over 2,000, 2 million, 2.3 million. Then in 2009, 2.8 million. Then 2010, 2.9 million. And then in 2011, it slowly started going down. And we have been nowhere near that since then. We're only at 357,000 in, in 2023, right? So we're nowhere near those numbers that we were even as far back as uh, as 2017. That was 677,000. We haven't even gotten to that point. Um, so don't believe the hype is what I'm getting at. You know, when people say there's going to be this wave of foreclosures that are, is going to hit the market, I think they're they're blowing smoke up your rear end. Jacqueline Spins says the crash bo bros constantly talk about that in Phoenix market is going to crash 50%. I've been doing this for 34 years. I saw 2008 coming in 2005. Things are different and banks do not want to take homes back again. And that is the other thing. Cause even when this, like everybody was taking the forbearance and everything, the banks were offering restructuring of loans to people because they didn't want them to foreclose. It's a big freaking headache on their end. The the what they had to set up, the systems they had to go through just to set it up so people could short sale and foreclose during that time. They they went from they didn't know what the heck they were doing to they had a pretty streamlined system. But it took forever. It took forever. And the communication between bank lenders titles companies and real estate agents for a foreclosure or a short sale was exhausting. It was exhausting. I'm sure Jacqueline will can vouch for me on this. They don't want to go through that again. It made them lose a lot of money because you remember every day that they're not, someone's not paying on that mortgage is a day that those banks are late, you know, losing money on the table. So they, it, they wanted to get them closed fast, but you know, it goes through the court system too. You know, this is, part of the court system. When you file bankruptcy, it isn't just through the banks, it's through the courts. So all these things get tied up. So to get them closed is a hassle. Banks really don't want to go through the foreclosure process because it loses them money and it can lose them even more than they even really wanted to. Yeah, like, and, and let's just put a, like, if I was to, like, I'm just putting a out there, like if the crystal ball, if the crystal ball says the housing market is going to be affected by the jobs market because layoffs are going to happen and people are going to start losing their homes, right? They're just got their little jobs market collapse for people to get to the point where they are going through foreclosure is going to take a long period of time. 
You don't just stop paying your mortgage and the bank knocks on the door in the next week. In very few states does that work that way. In most states, it takes months, sometimes even years before you actually are fully foreclosed on. The bank has repossessed it. Then they have they put it back on the market. And if during that process you're going through a divorce or they're going through bankruptcy or any kind of credit problems, it could take even more longer than that. It can take years and years and years. So even if a bunch of people tomorrow lost their job and they, they were unable to pay their mortgage, it would take almost another year before you'd ever see those foreclosures hit the market. So don't count on that is what I'm getting at. Um, pay attention to the rates if that's what you're sensitive to. Pay attention to your local market. Get with your local real estate agent to talk about these things. But that doesn't mean that there isn't foreclosures out there. I always tell everybody to go to the federal website, hudhomestore.com or hudhomestore.gov or it's either org or gov. But I'm going to tell you right now, if they're asking you to pay a fee to look at their to look at their foreclosures on HUD, that is a they faked the website. It's free to go look at, at uh, listings on the HUD home store. That's the one from the government itself. So just be very aware of that. Just be very aware of that. And, and you know, the other thing about the, the HUD houses I'm going to tell you too, is if you do look at foreclosures through HUD and it's new to the market, HUD will actually take your offer before they ever work with a corporate investor. They want people, single family uh, owners. They do not want corporate investors. They would rather the average Joe be able to get one of their foreclosed homes over an investor. So usually they hold it. They'll hold that that listing for 14 days before they leave it open for investors to bid on it, which I happen to like. I think it's a great idea. I think they should do that with all foreclosures, especially in the uh, the climate of real estate today especially with more and more corporate investors digging their greedy little fingers, <laughs> trying to mess with the housing market because they've done a heck of a job in the last couple of years, man. They have done uh, some wielding of some magical garbage all over us. So BD1 says, question, is the article reporting fake news, Texas homes, uh, home flood insurance, Texas homes flood housing market, it was on Newsweek, January 2022. Eddie, go. can you see if you pull that up, please? Look, Eddie's right on it, man. Uh, Texas homes flood housing market. Let's take a look-see. It was January 22nd. Let's scroll on down. Let's scroll on down, mister, mister man. Mister, I think I know everything. <laughs> housing inventory is surging in Texas despite national uh, nation facing widespread shortage. The number of the homes of sale and the state has doubled from its low during COVID-19 pandemic and now finds itself in more than 88,000 listings. This is the highest level since 2019. Okay, so let's just, let's stop right there. This is the highest level since 2019, meaning that it's at the same levels, like just right at the same level as it was prior to the pandemic. Okay. U.S. housing activity, uh, active listings count for uh, homes. Meanwhile, less than uh, 800,000 with Texas making up about 90,000. Uh, inventory spike is especially acute across central Texas, where in inventory in markets like Austin, San Antonio, Killian, Waco is up 30% compared to long-term averages. And I'm going to, 
and I've, I, I even told you guys this before. I knew that because in Austin, they were those new homes where they were going crazy they were going crazy. They're building tons of those homes. And, you know, I don't know if you know, Killian isn't that far. I'm probably saying the last name, Killian, Killian, Killian. I'm probably saying that name wrong, but they are not too far away um, from like uh, Dallas, Fort Worth around that area. Anywhere you see, anywhere during that time where you saw a lot of new construction, which Austin, San Antonio saw a lot of new construction, you're going to see a lot more listings that are available for sale. It's, it's, it, that's why there's the supply and demand problem. You know, that's what caused the problem in 2008. We had a ton of new construction that was on the market that sat and the home prices ended up coming down because we had too much supply in those areas. You're going to see the biggest, most significant amount of uh, price adjustments because they have more inventory. Um, this doesn't surprise me. Um, in Texas, home affordability has become a large problem in the past three years after droves of Californians, New Yorkers, and various others fled to the state for a cheaper cost of living. Then, then uh, that caused a higher demand than average and prices accordingly shot up. But as the migration, migration slowed, more inventory became available and the building up every day, signaling to a potential uh, potential for Texas to transform into a buyer's market, which would be, especially in uh, especially in Austin, Texas, the amount of increase that that homes went up was literally insane. It was absolutely it went a house that was normally like two hundred thousand went to four hundred thousand like overnight. Um, but this, uh, the, the, according to this article, it says it doesn't match up to the situation at the national level. Home prices across the country have steadily outpaced the median income since 2013. This is why I've been talking about home affordability since 2018, right before before the pandemic even started. And people said I was crazy. Uh, but a huge disparity, disparity emerged in 2020. While there have been slight improvements, the majority of Americans still cannot afford the average home with their income data shows. See, I've been talking about it. I knew it. I knew it. Hey, Eddie, at the very beginning of the stream, my friend, there was a, a question that somebody asked about tiny homes. And I, you know, I didn't pull it up because that's Eddie. That's Eddie's job. He pulls up stuff. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, APC says, um, is there a way to purchase a tiny home with a mortgage? I've heard it has to be attached to a property. Is it possible to be in addition, such as a land plus tiny home? Now, um, in most cases, in order to be considered real property, it must, the tiny home cannot be on wheels. It must be attached to uh, the concrete slab or, or uh, on piers, something that makes it an attached component that cannot be moved later on down the road. That is exactly the same as a mobile manufactured home. Same thing. They require you to cut off the tongue and they require you to do something, uh, some other things in order to be able to do a full mortgage and how it can be considered to be considered real property. Um, so yeah, that you can't do that. You have to be able to cut it off. Not only that, I, I think the other reason you're going to have a hard time getting a real, like a, a traditional mortgage on a tiny home is most mortgage companies have a requirement on the square footage in order for them to even think about 
being able to uh, finance it. Like I think FHA's is uh, it has to be over 600 square feet. Um, and I think, uh, like in some conventionals, you can go a little bit smaller than that, but they're not going to go much smaller than 500 square feet. So, uh, just be aware of that. Uh, I don't, you know, you, it's going to be a special kind of loan in order for that to work. Just FYI, just, well, well, let you know. I know it sucks. They got I mean, I think these products are going to change over time because the, with the popularity of, uh, smaller housing, um, some of these, especially government backed mortgages, um, it might change like FHA might have something for smaller, smaller housing. We'll see. We'll see. V-Man says question. Will the government do forbearance again? If it gets, if it gets bad with foreclosure, Ooh, who knows what the government's going to do? <laughs> um, I, I don't predict that they would though, because even like you remember, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but remember during the last crash, they were like, man, it's really unfortunate. I mean, there were people that were like, look, I can, I can like, my payment is $1,200. I can pay you a thousand dollars and whatever the leftover is, can you just tack it to the end of my mortgage? And they were like, nope, no, indeed. But then what the government did do during that time, it wasn't to help people save their house. That wasn't the case. It was to help people buy that house. So they gave first time home buyers an incentive to purchase it. So instead of giving the, you know, 1500 or 3,500 to the homeowner that was lo losing their home, they gave it to the home buyer to buy their house that they were losing, you know? So interesting, huh? <laughs> That's how it worked. It was like, at first they gave, um, they gave like 3,000, 200 or $3,500. And then they made you pay it back. And people were ticked because it was like they got, <laughs> they got this thing on their uh, taxes that said they, you know, had to, it, it was taxed, basically taxed money they they received. And then the very, like, right after the year was over with, they were like, oh, you want $6,500 and we won't tax you this time. And people that took it early were like, man, that have gotten additional $3,000 and not been taxed, you know, sometimes it's not best to be the first, you know, sometimes you got to let the other guinea pigs take out the first wrong, you know, <laughs> oh, you're wrong. The banks will get rid of your house as long as they can unload it to an investor. Well, they will unload it to investors with a, the bulk they bulk them, right? So they put them in a package. They're, you're not only buying this house, but you're buying these other five houses we can't get rid of either. So yeah, they that's exactly what happened in 2008. Now I know investors will scoop up as many foreclosed properties as possible, but they can't get them all. You know, they can't get them all. Um, a lot of FHA homes will end up on uh, the HUD home store. It has nothing to do with investors unless it's more than 14 days old. So, um, but your smaller banks, of course, they're going to bundle them up. They'll, they'll bundle up a good 15 houses and 10 of them are questionable and five of them will be gems and they'll, you know, fix them up and make them into rental properties. There's no doubt about it, but, um, there's always opportunity out of it there. Whenever there is, uh, whenever there's tragedy, you have to look at the opportunity, you know? Jacqueline Smith says that uh, I have a few agent friends in Texas and some are areas are becoming oversaturated. Then 50 miles away, you have an area that's doing great. Know your market. 
I know Christina can connect you with an agent in your area. Jacqueline Smith, thank you so much. <laughs> I got a little cheerleader in the chat there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jacqueline. I appreciate you. If there's any questions, please put them in the chat. Eddie will put them up on the screen for you. If you uh, want your chat, if you want your question to be like the first one, just go ahead and do a super chat. Super chats always get priority to the other questions. Brandon Everett says, um, do you think rates will reach around 5.5 by the end of the year? I want to keep uh, our buy down and refinance. Okay. I If uh, this is just me guessing, do not make any financial decisions by what's going to come out of my mouth next. Do not put this as gospel. Do not put this as a sharp line in the stand that needs to be cemented in. This is my personal feelings only. Again, not financial advice. In an election year, when somebody really wants to be elected, they seem to have an influence on rates. And I think the closer we get to the election, the better the rates are going to be. This is just my opinion. You take it with a grain of salt and please do not just listen to me. Listen to a bunch of different people. Um, but yeah, that's what I think they will get the best they are going to get the closer we get to an election. That's what I would say. Doom and gloom sells more news. Well, I'm here to set you straight because uh, I don't see foreclosures happening this year. You know, like I, the thing is, is that we were supposed to, according, I, I call them the housing crash bros because there's a group of dudes that have gone on here for the last, like, I don't know, since 2020 that have done nothing but say the market is about to crash 50%, 75%. We're going to see epic numbers about to lose equity. You know, uh, Idaho's going to lose 75% of equity. You know, Bo Boise's lo uh, losing more equity than anywhere else. Atlanta's going to see the biggest crash in history. And they've been saying that since 2020. And we're here we are, 2024. None of these markets have fallen apart. None of these markets have crashed. And then we hear the backstroking of, well, it's just the beginning stages. It could take up to five years for it to crash. But in the meantime, you're selling people panic. I. It doesn't matter who you, who you listen to, right? Listen to a bunch of people. But just know that their job, their job is to get you to click on, on their videos. So to say that your area is going to lose 75% and you're going to do all this equity and all this other stuff, if you, like, Usually people that are in the, the mortgage business or the real estate business will not make those type of claims only because you can get in trouble with the ethics committee, right? You can't say these things unless it's like quoted from a um, article or anything else, because if you make a claim like that and it doesn't happen, that's considered steering and you're steering people to either buy or not to buy a house. But if you don't have a license to do any of those things, you can literally spit out whatever the heck you want. Just bleh, vomit out whatever people will click on. And that's how they make their money. Some of them are making forty to $50,000 a month by spilling a bunch of garbage for the last few years. 
Anyways, that is just me. I'll get off my soapbox now because I it frustrates me. <laughs> Proud Liberal 24 says, question, would you clarify that most people get zero tax deduction for interest on mortgage if they take the standard tax deduction, which is now very high? Question mark. I am not a tax person. I, I will not even pretend that I know how to answer this in any way, shape, or form. God, I wish that, that mortgage guy was on here again. I, I'm, the, I'm the person that has the shoebox of receipts, walks into the tax lady's office and say, do something with these. Uh, I have, uh, here's everything. Just everything, uh, everything in my life is right here. Please do what you have to do. And then I sign at the end of the dotted line and I pay her, I pay my taxes and I walk out. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Overjoyed says, uh, don't trust any market. What you used to be great areas for logistics and tech jobs are losing tens of thousands of jobs. Next ghost towns will be uh, with new subdivisions. Well, I mean, I think the whole thing, I think, no matter what is we have we have entered in a new type of of home buyer new type of person that is purchasing homes um no longer is a uh specific area dependent on one specific industry to keep it going a lot of people that now are more um open to moving to the middle of the country, which would have never been on their radar before is because they have the ability to work at jobs from home. They're like, I, I can move to the middle of the country and have 16 acres and live in a tiny home and live off the grid and just have like a, you know, neuro Starlink or whatever for my, for my uh, internet and do my job. Um, that's becoming more and more of a viable option for younger families. So even as you see some areas that are like tech areas, I don't see them falling apart like we saw necessarily in Detroit that was completely reliant on the car industry. Um, I think it's just we've entered a whole different world now than we did when Detroit fell, you know, so... Just, just think about that as all. <laughs> just think about that as all. I, I, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm, I want to know how many people are open to the idea. Like, if you could, um, if your job all of a sudden became remote and your and your company gave you a contract and said, "Look, we're going to pay you this same income. You can live anywhere in the country. Would you consider moving to uh, a smaller city?" maybe outside your state where you could get basically the same home that you're living in now for half the money with a big piece of land. Would you, would you do it? Would you, would you, would you consider it? Would it be something that you would even think about or would you stay where you're at? Do you have to like live in the city? It's interesting to know. Cause I would, I totally sell it all. <laughs> get me out of here. I can, I'll move anywhere. I don't have a problem with it. Um, Beth R says, I don't understand why people would foreclose in this market. I think sometimes people come from a place of desperation. Um, I don't get it either because they probably have a huge equity position, but I think they, uh, they feel like they, they can backtrack, you know, like I've, 
even back in the day, I talked to this one. Oh, you know, I'm just a couple payments behind and I'm going to be able to catch up as soon as this job's done. You know, like once I get the money from this job, I'll, I'll be able to pay it off. And well, then that job never came done and it never came to fruition. You know, some people are dreamers, you know, and you can't help them. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they would do it. I, for the first time in like, I think six years, I heard somebody short selling. I was like, what? But that's because they took out a second mortgage and it sucked up all their uh, equity. <laughs> they had two mortgages. They had a, they had two. And that's the reason why they had a short sale. Um, they used their car. They used their house like an ATM machine. It says more than 30,000 tech employees lose jobs globally in the first month of 2024. This is what I'm talking about, though. The layoffs. Uh, yeah, this year, 2024 started off uh, on a worse note for tech employees as more than 122 tech companies and startups laid off 30,000 workers in January itself, while the jobs cuts in continue unabated. According to data compiled by the layoff tracking website layoffs.fyi, 122 companies have shown the door to 31,751 employees as of February 3rd. Oh, this is this is really good stuff, Eddie. Right on the you're right on the date. I think today's the fourth, isn't it? This is good. Tech companies, including startups, the world's fired more than four. The world has fired more than 425,000 employees in 2022 and in 2023. Which, with more than 36,000 employees being sacked in India in the same time frame. This is what, this is my concern. Like, I realize, you know, every time they come out with these job numbers, they're like, we added another 357,000 jobs. And I'm like, I, and then, and then you turn on like anything, they're like, layoffs here, layoffs there. And then you're, you go to the grocery store, they're like, oh, yeah, the, the, the plant and just fire, you know, go went ahead and lay out off a bunch of people. Not only that, then there, then there's this other thing, you know, remember quiet quitting people. Now they're doing quiet firing. They're making it so miserable for people that they'll quit instead of them letting them go because they don't want to have to pay them the benefits. So they make them so miserable that they'll leave. Uh, so they're doing like quiet firing that way. Uh, it says U.S. employers added a surprising 353,000 jobs in January. I have to ask you people in the chat, do you believe this? Do you believe that America, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a, the like a genius in numbers, but do you believe, do you believe that the American economy added another 354,000 jobs? I have to know. Friday's government reports show that the last month's job gained roughly twice of what the economics said it predicted. Top December gained 333,000, a figure that was itself revised sh uh, sharply higher. The unemployment rate stayed at 3.7%, just above the half-century low. Oh, see, everybody's like, nope, nope, lies. And do you know that I have to tell you this? Job numbers for the last 10 years, 10 years, have always, to me, been smoke and mirrors, total stinky bullpucky. I'll just leave it out. That. Uh, wages rose unexpectedly. I don't believe this either. In January 2, the average hourly pay climbed sharply by 0.6% from December, the fastest monthly gain in nearly two years, and 4.5% in January 2023. Strong hiring and wage growth 
could complicate or delay the Federal Reserve's intention to start cutting rates later uh, this year. I mean, who's making more money? Like, I want to know who, what company is going, you know what? They're just going to go pay you more. Who's got a bonus? Who got a bonus at the beginning of January? <laughs> nope. Nobody's believing it. Nope. Nobody's believing it. <laughs> it's like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Recruiters. <laughs> like, yeah. Part-time work. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. That's maybe that's what it is. It's part-time work. Cause I know a lot of people that have three jobs, three jobs just to make it. Um, like, I don't know. They, they have an apartment, they are single, they have, uh, you know, they're taking care of kids and they run three jobs, three, and they're all part-time jobs. That's an, that's so they can, you know, pay for their life. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. No one's believing the, the job numbers. I haven't believed them in years. I've all like, you can, like, if you're a human being walking out and working in any office or even just going to the grocery store, you can hear people talking and buzzing and, and whatever they're talking about. You hear people talk about job layoffs. You talk about people, you know, like when people are excited at a restaurant or whatever, they'll say, oh, I'm so glad I got that race. I've heard none of that. Everybody's been doing nothing but complaining about how much they're getting paid, how much things cost and how many layoffs there are. I haven't heard anybody going, you know, I just got that bonus. My boss has said I'm doing such a great job. <laughs> got a bonus. Yeah. So Tracy Warren says a uh, severe pay cut in 2022, trying to recover, have to work two jobs. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think, I think we're getting sold a pack of lies. <laughs> I don't, I like, it's just like housing, you know, just like housing, you know, we're doing all this stuff or rezoning. So it's going to make it a lot easier for affordable housing. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, Levy says uh, the jobs numbers need to be jobs that exceed the poverty level wages. Uh, my subject, so my subjective opinion, you know, that'd be interesting. How many of, of them uh, would be like, cause like you can't, like if you were to work at McDonald's, you can't live on that. You know, like you can go and get to go to work, you know, you can go to work and you can come home, but I mean, you couldn't afford rent and <laughs> couldn't do it. Like, uh, 20 years ago you could, but not, not today. The cost of, um, the cost of, uh, rent now is insane. Um, and so a lot of people, they have no choice, you know, they, they don't have the, the skills, so they have to work two um, low end jobs in order to be able to afford rent. You know, they're working their tails off. It sucks. If December's numbers, it's retail hiring, which is temporary. Well, this was January's numbers. So, yeah, Mark, uh, ours is uh, like, subscribe, love, share, be happy. Thank you, Mark. You know, the, and then what the kids do? Oh, wait, they do it like, they do like, they do like this weird, they do this thing. I don't, how do they, what do they, is it this? <laughs> I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not a kid. We're going to have to figure this out. MH08 says, I've done the math. I'm making former garbage into uh, an ADU. It, it's a return. It's offers no return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A garage, a former garage. Yeah, I've done the math, making a former garage into an ADU. It offers no return. I think it depends on where you're at, though. Yeah, let's be real. You know, like if, if 
okay, so I've seen those conversions cost stupid money. Like I've seen one for an ADU, no bigger than this, of course. Super chat, thank you. And it costs like $500,000. You're not gonna get much of a return on investment on that. Like you're just not, you know? But if, if you're doing a conversion, it could, I guess it could. It, I, it, that is going to be very area specific. Yep. Charles G. He's doing a little flexy in his picture, his little profile picture. <laughs> I don't know. Um, McDonald's in California has to pay $20 an hour, but the rent here is like $2,500 a month. Yeah. I mean, of course, they, they pay more, but... Um, it, you know, in, in California, but the cost of living, the cost of everything in California is so much higher. High tech job applicants can now take a thousand plus applications to get one interview. Yeah. And like, I, I watch, um, cause I'm on LinkedIn. I like, I'm a browser. I like to scroll on the LinkedIn and they're giving all their tips and tricks on how to, uh, beat the system because a lot of their applications are done through an algorithm. You cannot walk, like I want people that have not done the job search for a while. You cannot walk into most places with a resume and say, here's my resume. Can I, you know, apply for a job that, you know, they're going to say, go online. We don't want that. This is no, no, just get out of here. They don't, even for coffee jobs, even because my kids, you know, they're, they're, they work at the little coffee store even those type of jobs, they don't want to, they don't want the papers. They're not going to allow you to fill out any paperwork. They do not want your resume. You're going to have to do it online. So they're showing all these like tricks and hacks and everything to beat the system in order to get away from the algorithm before even a human will look at it. Cause there's like certain words that you have to put in the a resume in order for the computer to shoot it out to the recruiter, to the recruiter, to give you a call. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Mark R says, my five-year-old said it was the second hand gesture you did with the heart. It was correct. Thank you, five-year-old daughter. <laughs> That's why all, all the kids do. And she also said hello to you. She says she likes your hair and has the same haircut. Oh, thank you. My hair's um, my hair's chemically created. <laughs> It's not real hair. It's chemically created. Well, Lee has a question. If there is land with a structure shed type of home on the property for sale, should I get an appraiser that's for the sale that's been to the built up of the land? I would, if you're, you're going to find out if the um, shed on the property of the structure is included in the sale of the property. If it says, that it, you know, all items on land remain at no added value. I wouldn't worry about the structures itself. I would worry about the improvements that have been done to the land. So make sure that they have, if there's any like septic system and everything, make sure they have all their um, certifications for the septic system. If they have a survey on file, that way you can look to see if the structures they do have on there are in the correct places or not. And, um, also know that if you're getting a bar dominium, um, a lot of times the setbacks will be different than it would be for, for a traditional style home because of the fact that a bar dominium is considered a barn and they allow more variance for agricultural structures than they do for a house. So, um, just know that I would ask 
the person that has it listed for all documentation pertaining to that piece of land, surveys, uh, certificates, um, including flood certificate as well. But I wouldn't worry about the actual structures because they're probably, if they're just a shed, they're, they're considered no value um, on mortgages. Fraud Liberal 24 says, why don't people buy fixer uppers and put sweat, sweat equity over time? That means uh, fixer over time, one red room per year without taking out a construction loan. People do that all the time. All I mean, all the time. That is very common uh, that people do that. But most of the time when you find a house that like needs that sweat equity, a lot of times a home flipper, like a local home flipper has got a hold of it before you know, your average Joe has gotten a hold of it. And not only that, sometimes it can be difficult to get a mortgage on a house that needs uh, a lot of work. For instance, you're not going to be able to get a mortgage on a house that needs a new roof. If you are a brand new, never owned a house uh, buyer, you're if you're looking at fixer uppers, if it, the air conditioning doesn't work, the plumbing doesn't work, and the roof needs to be replaced, you're not going to be able to get a mortgage. It's just, those are not things that, that, uh, that mortgage companies are willing to take that risk on. Um, uh, flippers are able to do it because a lot of times they're doing uh, some kind of construction loan that is going to be flipped to where the house will be earning or be up to snuff in a period of time. And that's why they're able to do it uh, over somebody that's just the regular average Joe that wants to fix one up. But I mean, my husband and I's very first house was a piece of junk, piece of garbage. It, it, it was pink, hot pink. Well, maybe it was, it was salmon pink and it had green shutters and the paint was so bad. Like when you touched it, like it looked like chalk. Uh, it smelled like cigarettes, had popcorn ceilings. It was a hot mess. The carpet hadn't been touched in probably 30 years. You just leave it at that. You can imagine the smell. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. We fixed it up. You know, everybody does it. Yeah. If you can find something like that, yeah, they'll do it. And the people don't have a problem fixing them up. I think the narrative that a lot of people, I've heard people say like, young people just want to have new and they don't want to fix things up. It's a bunch of crap. It's because to justify how many homes have been stolen by corporate investors. So they make the average person buying a house look like the villain instead of the real villain who's sucking up all the more affordable housing, you know? <laughs> yep. What do you think about duplexes to, to buy in Texas since I have had a big tax break now? I like me a duplex. I like uh, multiplexes. I like duplexes. And matter of fact, um, if you look at multifamily housing, it's had a, quite a correction. And this is an opportunity for people that if they're looking to get into investing in property, this is an opportunity for you because some areas have seen uh, more of a correction in multifamily units than ever before. So go ahead, scoop yourself up a deal and uh, go ahead and get your second housing. And if, and if you can, like if you, if you're looking for your very first house, how awesome would it be if you bought yourself a duplex where the person that's renting on the side beside you is actually paying for your mortgage? How smart is that? Not only that, I mean, that's an income producing property. I think, I think it's, I think it's the thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Question, uh, Eddie, you already put that one up there. You already did this one. Thank you. Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. You can put another question up on the screen. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You might have seen him. He's in the back. <laughs> He's going to put a question up on the screen any moment. <laughs> like, go ahead, Eddie, put a question on the screen. You're making the, it a very uncomfortable silence. I don't like it. <laughs> Do you want me to grab the question? All right, here we go. I already did that. You already did this one. <laughs> I'll go ahead and grab one. Goodness. Goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. <laughs> he fell asleep. I think he did fall asleep. <laughs> Poor dude. <laughs> Is a, uh, consider a shed wallet penny 20 by 60 by six deep estimated cost for steel frame with a bio carbonate sheathing is it considered a shed well okay you have to go with building code in your area what does building code consider that structure right because like this building right here i'm in is considered a shed it is uh 100 uh it has full insulation on the outside and on the inside and even in the ceiling, it has full electricity. It has full um, internet access. Uh, was it Cat Five? Cat Five out here? Uh, cat Six. Sorry, I was being corrected. Cat Six <laughs> out here. Uh, you know, but they still consider this a shed, right? But in some areas, it would not be considered a shed. It's going to be depend on your state, right, and your county, because counties can say. Uh, tiny homes are considered a shed, but a tiny home on wheels is considered an RV. So if you have a tiny home that's uh, not on wheels and it's in your backyard, they'll tell you to remove it. But if you have a tiny home on wheels, you can have it in RV parking and you can get a RV parking permit. And that depends on the area again, where you live, you know, so I can't tell you if it's considered a uh, a living structure or not that that's going to be has to do with your code enforcement in your area yeah i love me a tiny home and you know i if you guys are like thinking about tiny homes but you're not going to do the tiny home that's on uh wheels like you're you're looking at options i want you to look at the smallest manufactured home right because the cost of tiny homes per square foot is so expensive, super expensive. And for the same cost, you could get like double the size of a manufactured mobile home. And you're probably saying, oh, well, the, the tiny home is probably built to better specifications. They're built to no specifications because they're considered a tiny home. There's no like across the board specifications when it comes to tiny homes. So just know that if you're planning on doing like, deciding on a tiny home or a manufactured home, go look at a manufactured home. Look what you could get price per square foot before you, you know, stick your nose up and poo poo on it. They make beautiful, nice, gorgeous manufactured homes. They're not what, you know, you remember years ago when you were growing up as a kid, they're, they're actually quite nice. So, um, just consider that, consider it before you poo poo on it. <laughs> 
So Randy D says, uh, question, have you seen Fleetwood Home Homes duplex line? They just debuted in Louisville Manufactured Home Show. Check them out. Oh, Eddie's gonna put them on the on the screen. Thanks, Edward. All right, let me put on the let me put on the glasses here. All right. So each side is around 800 square feet. That's their duplex. I think my only concern for this, I mean, I love, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it, is that you are gonna have a hard time finding a location to be able to allow for it to be because zoning is gonna be the biggest problem. Cause is it because this would be considered what is it considered modular or is this considered a manufactured and a lot of areas that allow for multifamily housing like a duplex like this multifamily will not allow for manufactured so the biggest problem this will have is zoning i think it's great though i think it's great super cute Anytime that you can create a, get a property and have another property that's income producing for you to help you pay for your own mortgage, it's a, it's a win, win, win. As far as I'm concerned, it's a win, win, win. But uh, word of warning though, if you're planning on doing that, you know, make sure you have in your calculations that you are going to be able to make that payment whether someone is in the other side or not, you know, at least six months of uh, their rent that you would be able to cover for yourself if you're unable to get a renter in on the, that specific income producing property. If you can't live six months without somebody being in there, then maybe, maybe, maybe you need to reconsider doing multifamily unit. Yep. Is Eddie in the tent? <laughs> Eddie's in the tent. <laughs> I told him, I said, Let, let's surprise everybody. Let's put you in the, in there. And then I was like, oh my God. He says, well, the thing is, I was like worried because he starts coughing. He had the flu. If you guys don't remember, a couple of weeks ago, he gave everybody in the house the flu. And I thought it'd be kind of funny. He was like, I should just do that for the Super Bowl. I'm like, no, 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 let's do it. And then he started coughing. I went, oh man, I made a mistake. <laughs> made a big mistake. Um, Eduardo, can you put the um, the poll question up here? Because, um, uh, yeah, he's going to, he said, give him a second. Yeah, Eddie's a Wizard of Oz. <laughs> he's like the guy behind the curtain of the Plays of Strings. If you look, like, if you're really, like, desperate to look, to find out what he looks like. Uh, there are videos of him out there in the world and about, I think it was like two months ago by accident, he hit live and he didn't put himself behind. So you could see him right in the front. I don't know why he hides. He it makes it sound like he's like, he's like freaky looking. He's just, a, he's a good looking dude. Yep. <laughs> Uh, we got a, Sharon says, I love your program. I've learned a lot from you. I live in Tennessee. The home prices have skyrocketed. I'd love to sell my home, but buy something in the, in the country, but I can't afford it. So like Sharon, I was just, was kind of putting this out to everybody else. Would you be open to moving to another state? Like you would get your equity. Like a lot of people did in California. They took all their equity, moved to, uh, uh, Austin, Texas, and felt like they won the lottery because their dollar went so much further as far as homes were concerned. I mean, would you consider like moving to like, let's just say Nebraska, right? Where the homes in that area would be a lot less expensive. Would you consider it? 
Oh, I don't know. I, I would. I don't have a problem with it. And it says, do you expect, I, this was the uh, poll question I had. Do you guys expect more foreclosures in your area this year? 42% of you said yes. Yeah. 24% said nope. Uh, 29% said not sure. And 4% said maybe next year. And do you know, I'm one of the 4%. I'm, I'm, I don't see it happening this year. This is just my opinion. I, if it happens this year, it will probably be at the end of this year. Again, I don't think that is going to happen. Most likely, I think it's going to be the following year that we see more foreclosures at the market, like at an, an excess amount. And that's just if jobs aren't to maintain themselves, if we see more layoffs, then, then in 2025, we'd see more foreclosures. And that's just my opinion. Don't, don't just that you can take it as my opinion and don't make any financial decisions because of it. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, Beth has a question. It says, do you think that, uh, what do I think about metal roofs? Are they worth it? Again, that's one of your areas. Hey, Eddie, <laughs> what do you, what do you think about it? Eddie used to work in roofing a long time ago. Standing seam. Yeah, standing seam, he says. Standing seam is the thing for metal roofs. They they sell well. People, when you go to sell your home, especially in an area like I live in Louisiana, when you have metal roofs, we are, we're in Hurricane Central, that is a good selling point for you later down the road because obviously they're more durable. A lot of people worry about the noise when it comes to metal roofs, and you'd be surprised. I mean, it's really, it's not what you think. <laughs> like, it's not the thing that you think, you know, it's not like, <laughs> it used to be that way, but it's not. Um, metal roofs are good. They're durable. Uh, yeah. Eddie says, change your screws every 10 years. <laughs> Glad he was in here, man. <laughs> Glad he was in here. Peter, Peter has a question. says, do you believe in uh, 2024 we'll have more closed transactions compared to 2023? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm, yes, I do. I do. Peter, I do think so. And that the only reason being is... Um, I see more builders being more flexible as far as getting um, buying down interest rates, uh, adding more closing costs and getting people through the door in order to get the, the houses closed. And they're more, more being more flexible. Um, I see sellers now if the interest rates continue, this would be only if the interest rates continue to creep down. If we get into low sixes or the high fives, we're going to see a lot more activity happening. Most people, a lot of people are locked into their rates. So they are like, they're not really wanting to sell. But if you, you can tempt people a lot more if you see rates in like the 5.5, 5.75, they're kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's a little, you can tempt them more to sell than, than if, it was at 8%. And that was obvious to what happened last year. You saw 8% and everybody said, nope, forget it. <laughs> everybody put their hands up there. Sellers weren't going to sell and buyers weren't going to buy. <laughs> so if, if the rates continue to go down, I still, I do see more transactions in 2024. I will, I will, I will stand by that. Yeah. That's a great question. That was a good question, Peter. Wow. Thank you, Peter. I like it. <laughs> I kind of sounded like um, the Lady Lois from the Family Guy. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> uh, next question, Eduardo. 
Are you getting stuck? All right. Mike Richard says, uh, Christine, you are a golden gem of knowledge and wisdom in real estate industry. Thanks for all your information, guidance, and advice you always give. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you. I try, but I'm, I'm like, again, I always don't want everybody to like, I don't want anybody to take anything that I say as, you know, the gospel. I want you to do your own investigation because every single real estate market is completely different. Like the Baton Rouge market is 1000 times different than the New Orleans market. They're only 35 minutes away from each other. But those two real estate markets are completely different. And even the agents that work in that area, how they do business is completely different. So like you have to put, you, I'm, I'm talking about the real estate market as a whole. Always talk with a local real estate agent in your area in order to understand what's going on in your specific market. Yep. Crazy mate stash. My Massachusetts friend says, hope you're feeling better. Oh yeah, I'm feeling tons better. Tons, tons better. I can light the world on fire. <laughs> Question. How can I get a lender uh, to give me a loan when I have a high credit score, but a low SSI income without a cosigner? I'm in Minnesota. I, you know, I don't know your financial situation. Um, my, my advice to you is that even though you've spoken to a lender, I would find another local lender, like go to your, um, credit unions in your area, go to a lender that's local to your specific area where you could walk in the door and sit down and talk to a person face to face. Because sometimes when you talk to bigger, bigger mortgage companies and you saw their ad on, or heard their ad on the radio or saw it on television, you're thinking, oh, well, that's a good deal. Sometimes they don't even know what the programs are in your area. There might even be a really great uh, uh, bond money uh, program for a down payment on the house for new home buyers. We have it here in Louisiana all the time. Um, sometimes th they don't even know that you could qualify for like rural development. And you're thinking, well, I live in the city. How could this be considered rural development? You'd be shocked on how much is considered rural, you know, and you can get a better loan that way. Um, just work with somebody talk to three different lenders before you make a decision with on any lender. That's what I tell you to do. Oh, Eddie wants uh, you to know that if you're gonna, considering a metal roof, you only need to change out the screws on your metal roof every 10 years. If you're doing an R panel. Thank you, Edward, for uh, clarifying. Nancy says, uh, we will be selling our home to downsize in a hot market, Pacific Northwest. We owe 240 K on a, 2.45. Oh, assumable. Valuation is at 500K. Uh, should we highlight that it's assumable? Well, let me just, let me just put it this way. You're, yeah, you're assumable, but they also are going to have to come up with all of that money up front. Not many people have, um, say they're going to pay the 500,000. Not many people have $260,000 in their pocket to be able to pay you for the house value. And so you're assuming their mortgage. That doesn't mean you can tack on the, the other part of it. You're only assuming the debt of 240,000 and you can't get another mortgage to make up for that. 
Um, well, at least you can in Louisiana. Maybe it's different where you are, but you cannot do that here in Louisiana. You're assuming the mortgage, whatever's left is comes out of the pocket of the person that's buying, not an additional loan. So, you know, it stinks. I, I mean, you could, I, I mean, there, it totally doesn't hurt to put it in the, in the um, listing itself. Who knows? Somebody might have that kind of money. Like, some grandma was like, oh, I'm going to help you find your first house. You know, payments are, you never know. Put it on there. That's always a selling point. You know, just go ahead and put it on there. The likelihood of somebody going to do that is pretty small. Uh, not many people have, like I said, an additional like 260000 just laying in their back pocket. <laughs> you know? But I would, it's a selling point. I'd put it on there. Mark says, great show. Thank you for the information and knowledge. We appreciate your thoughts and your experience and sharing aces. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing it all, right? Okay. I think I got it. Nancy says, uh, question. Oh, wait, sorry. DS says, a lot of coworkers uh, have been buying houses in Washington State, but I believe it's uh, that's a bad decision at these current prices. The thing is, I'm going to tell anybody this, okay? And I don't know if you guys, oh, ooh, Eddie, you might want to look this up. Do you remember like a bunch of real estate agents and brokers, brokers were saying, uh, marry the house, date the rate. Like, and I kept saying, stop saying that, stop saying that because what you were doing was you're selling people on the idea that mortgage rates at some point in the future will change and you can refinance, but you really love this house. So go ahead and buy this house now, but you, you will go ahead and buy down the rate for a period of time. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can refinance later. Don't worry about it. And I said, that's a really pathetic, terrible way to try to sell a house. I get it. You're, you're not selling a lot of loans right now. Don't say date the rate and marry the house. That is stupid. That is stupid. And I will maintain this now. If you cannot afford your payment today and you have to get any funky loan in order to be able to afford it, and you're just hoping, hoping the interest rates go down enough that you'll be able to refinance within the next couple of years, please do not do that. Please do not do that. You should have at minimum, a minimum of three months nest egg after closing in your savings account in case anything happens, meaning that you're not going to be able, like you lose your job, you can pay your mortgage and all this stuff. That's minimum. If you go the Dave Ramsey way, he says, I think nine months, you know? Um, and if someone's convincing you to purchase a house by using a funky loan to get it done, don't do it. Like, please do not do it. If you don't plan on living in that house for at least seven years, you're like, you're like, oh, I'm probably going to sell it in two years. Don't, don't expect to get any kind of equity return on your, on your house. What happened in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 is, is unheard of. People got the return on their equity, like no other time in history except for during the last housing bubble. The reason why it's not falling to the ground into a million pieces and crashing like the crash bros said is the lack of inventory. The reason it fell apart last time is we had a surge of a lot of new construction. We do not have that. We haven't had that for over 10 years. I they were on 15 years. Whenever the housing crash happened last time, builders stopped building. 
at, at that kind of scale. So that's why you're not seeing uh, prices tumble to the ground like people were hoping. So anyways, <laughs> Eddie, did you fight with uh, Custer at Little Smallhorn? Could it be? Custer in the Battle of Little Bighorn. Little Bighorn. <laughs> there we are. Eddie wanted to clarify. <laughs> oh, no, he did not. He did not fight. <laughs> he barely fought for me. I'm the one who asked him out. <laughs> And he said, and he's a lover. He's not a fighter. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Did you know that next week is the Super Bowl? I will be here. I'm just letting you know that right now. Gotham has a question. It says, do you believe that the states like Florida, California, and New York State will see home prices decrease this year? Notice they were the last holdouts in 2008. Oh, well, I lived in Florida during the last housing crash and it was instantaneous. It was like somebody flicked a light switch off. We moved out in 2007 and we knew it was falling then. This is before they made all the headlines. And it went from people were out the door to the lights were turned off and people were dropping their prices like that. They panicked. They panicked because there was so much new construction in Florida. Um, I think what the, the problem was going to be for places like Florida and California, not so much New York City, is they have an insurance problem, just like we do here in Louisiana. Insurance for those states that have uh, climate change problems has doubled for some people. And especially in Florida, when you're working with people that are on fixed incomes, they can no longer afford those insurance rates. And so, like, for instance, if you had paid off your house, you've been on a fixed income, you've had uh, a pension in your social security, you know how much things are going to cost with a little give and take of a couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars, right? Now your property taxes have increased a ton and now your insurance has quadrupled. They don't have the money to do it. They just don't have the money to do it. So some people in Florida are it's possible we could see a lot more corrections in Florida, especially if people can't afford those insurance rates. Um, Uh-oh, Charles wants to know what our panel is, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie is going to probably put it up on the screen because he doesn't want to talk. Yeah, I, I, I worry about people and their property taxes. I talked about that in my last video. Um, I think we're going to see I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the highest population of people of homelessness is actually with the elderly. And um, I don't see that changing much, especially if you look, I don't know if you've ever seen the cost of adult care facilities. The minimum, the, the cheapest I've seen is $5,000. And a lot of people don't have families that can take care of an elderly parent full time. And, you know, if you're thinking like a home nurse can come in and that they're not cheap either. So um, it's going to be interesting what happens as more and more um, baby boomers and Gen X get older, how, uh, how things are going to shift as far as housing is concerned. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, planned developments for seniors in areas like apartment buildings that will help them with their medical needs as well, like assisted living type facility. So our panel is a multi-use wall and roof panel used primarily in pre-engineered metal building applications. 
Our panel is also a popular choice for residential metal roofing, especially in Southwest. An option for per Perlin Bearing Leg, PBR, rests on purlins and provides a support for fastening the panel lap. Am I saying that right? Perlins, P-U-R-L-I-N-S, Perlins. I hope I'm saying it right. I'm not getting corrected. Huh? <laughs> it just said just beams. <laughs> Brady says, question. I look uh I live in New Orleans looking over the Wagaman. <laughs> do you know if I can put in a manufactured home on land there? No, but I do know somebody uh out there. Her name is Carrie Lawless. She can help you with that. I don't I don't know anything about the that whole area from West we go all the way up. I don't um I don't when you start at uh, Laplace to through Nor uh from Laplace all the way up to Baton Rouge um near uh Port Allen, that's it. That's that's my area. Uh who's on first says question. Do you know if or believe investors are hiding trouble in the market by selling direct to other investors, keeping homes from being listed to the public, a hidden market? I don't believe for residential housing, absolutely not. They're making bank. Like they've said, I don't know if you watch, go watch my video. They are, they know they are making absolute bank on residential housing, even all the way from a manufactured homes to smaller houses, even build to rent. They are laughing themselves all the way to the bank until all of a sudden they get those calls on multifamily homes and commercial real estate. They are dying. They are drowning in, uh, in commercial real estate. That's why they say that so many, um, companies are encouraging, uh, uh, people to come back to work because they need their commercial properties to quit sinking like a rock, like they have. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I don't, it's not residential. I don't think they're hiding anything with residential. They're making hand over fist, laughing, laughing, laughing until they get that co that commercial portfolio open. Then they're crying, 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 crying tears. And I, I know all of you feel so bad for corporate investors that they lost money in corporate corporate real estate. I know you're, you're just, your heart breaks for them, I'm sure. <laughs> Chris Moore said, I'm in central Ohio, where Intel and other big tech companies are building and moving into throughout the next few years. How do you think central Ohio will be affected? I should get somebody um, in, in that area. Because I know that like Boise, Idaho, like uh, Idaho and other areas around, like I didn't even know that they were like taking off like a rocket. I had no idea. No idea. Anytime you have new industry coming into a city or an area, it always causes home prices to go up. I happen to live in an area that has a lot of plants. Um, so whenever they open a plant, sure enough, home prices go up. But it isn't just one plant. If that area is only depending on one specific industry to hold it up, that's when you see problems. That's what happened to Detroit. So if your area that you see coming up in the near future is only depending on one industry to prop up its economy, then I would be leery of that, of buying. That's just, that's just me personally though. Uh, does mortgage refinance depend on the current interest rates? Well, yeah, yeah, um, of course it does. So like whatever you are wanting to refinance, you have to look at today's rates uh, in order to refinance. You can't like 
refinance your 2.4 interest rate. You, you have to go with what the market is doing it today. Yep. But um, like, that's why like when the mortgage, mortgage companies were freaking out when it was 8% because not only were they not doing, uh, you know, first time buyers, right? Nobody was refinancing. So they were like, what are we going to do? You know, and that's when they started that whole uh, <laughs> date the rate, buy the house or marry the house, date the rate. Like it was so dumb. And a, a mortgage brokers that were doing that are getting sued in a couple states because they say it was deceptive practices to entice people, uh, basically uh, push them to buy a house by using those deceptive sales tactics. So um, do you believe builders are fudging the numbers, the housing shortage by not listing new builds, creating a FOMO, increasing prices? You have to watch my last video. So they purposely withheld inventory to keep home prices elevated. Uh, Lennar in a sales call specifically said, we could flood the market again with another thousand uh, homes and we would make really good money, but we could make even more money if we withhold that inventory, keeping home prices elevated. And that's what they were doing because they were, this was a call to their shareholders their shareholders. So they were like, this is how we're making you more money. And they're, <laughs> you know, doing their little, little happy little dance. Like this was all the money we're making you by making other people suffer and pay more for our product. Unbelievable. Yeah, of course they're doing it. Of course they are. And they're selling and they're selling those same builders are selling to uh, corporate investors who want to use them for uh, rentals. That's called build to rent. There's also build to rent neighborhoods, Wall Street, gets with the home builders, says, build this neighborhood of a bunch of first time home buying looking type homes, you know, make them three bedroom, two bath, put in the, you know, the ni niceties and they're only going to be available to people for, to rent and they're making money on them big time. MH08 says, marry the house, date the agent. <laughs> Marry the house, date the agent. <laughs> oh, I, I was lucky. I was already married by the time I became a real tour. Real tour. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about anybody uh, hitting on me or having to date the agent. <laughs> That's for sure. I had nothing to worry about. And plus, you know, I, I don't know. You guys, you got to know my husband is extremely good looking. So. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think so. Yeah. All right. Next week is uh Super Bowl Sunday. I will be here. We will talk about the real estate market. We will talk about the headlines. I will be completely honest with you with what's going on in our market. I'll be excited to do it with you before Super Bowl Sunday. Cause you know, um, I know I'm going to burn up a bunch of guys because, you know, Taylor Swift is playing the Super Bowl. And look how far she's coming a year. I mean, she just got into football. Look, she's already, she's already at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm only doing that to burn up some of the dudes. <laughs> That's it. So, if you have any questions after the stream has uh, already ends, just go ahead and put them in the comments section. And um, I will either A, answer them next week, or B, I will go ahead, because this is going to be a new segment, you know, what happened last week. Um, or B, I'm going to go ahead and make a video about it. Because this week I'm filming a video about somebody making a comment saying there's tons of a hundred, there's tons of houses out there, tons of houses they're saying that are under 200,000. So I'm going to put them to task, see if they really are. <laughs> Give us your pick right now. Oh, well, um, chiefs, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with them. <laughs> so, Chiefs. <laughs> All right, everybody. See you Sunday. So long. Well, deep scene. Choose to look when it's raining. Or look both ways before crossing. <laughs> Make sure uh, you always blow your nose in with a tissue and not your shirt. <laughs>